homeboys so quick to pick their pistol up. That's why these little girls so quick to get their pussy up. Second chances, we ain't never get them. We ain't good enough? They don't give a fuck about his dog we ain't rich enough. Every week I talk that real shit, I know y'all feeling it. Welcome to another installment of the Black Respective Podcast. I am your host, Shaka the God. This is episode 12. Um, I welcome you to the podcast. I appreciate you listening. Um, we're going to cover a couple of topics going on in the African community, not only in the United States, but going on around the world. And uh, like I said, I appreciate you listening. And let's get today's show on the road. So the clip you're about to hear is what's going on currently with the immigrants in Israel, the African immigrants. Jerusalem, AP, in an abrupt and startling reversal, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu nixed his own deal Tuesday with the United Nations to resettle tens of thousands of African migrants in Israel and other Western nations, caving into nationalist critics who have demonized the migrants for taking over poor neighborhoods in Tel Aviv. The move leaves unresolved one of Israel's most charged and divisive issues. What to do with the Africans who say they fled for their lives in search of sanctuary in the Jewish state? The about-face also opened Netanyahu to scathing assaults on his leadership, raising doubts about his ability to make controversial decisions on bigger issues in the future, including how he would respond to a peace plan promised by President Donald Trump. Netanyahu proudly announced the deal Monday in a nationally televised news conference, saying Israel had agreed to cancel a planned expulsion of tens of thousands of Africans that had been widely condemned both at home and among Jews around the world. Under the deal, roughly half of the 35,000 migrants living in Israel would be resettled in the West with the rest absorbed in Israel. Netanyahu praised it as a good agreement that marked an important day for Israel. So basically, the guy that runs Israel... He made an agreement to accommodate the Africans that had, you know, ran away from their countries seeking asylum in in Jerusalem or Israel, as we call it. Um, Pretty much he reneged on that deal. And, you know, I guess now they're going to have to, you know, find somewhere else to go or uh, flee from persecution again because the guy went back on his word after agreeing to trying to accommodate the migrants or the immigrants, whatever you want to call them. And uh, this furthermore shows us that as black people, we got to do for ourselves, man. We got to look out for each other because uh, if we don't, nobody else will. Shock of the God. This next clip is by Killer Mike. Just think about what he's saying. I have to say this because I know our spirit and our emotions get stirred. I'm not against nobody on the panel. I'm with everybody on the panel. I'm not diametrically opposed to anybody on the panel. I agree with everything my brother said about revolutionaryism. So let me ask you guys a few questions. We're in the South. We're in the heart of the South right now. Who fishes? Who knows how to fish? Hands down. Who knows how to hunt? Less hands. Hands down. Who shoots on a regular basis, meaning once or twice weekly? Hands down. Now you see how many hands? Who farms or grows their own food right now? Hands down. You ain't ready to oppose nothing. You are as a part of this system as any white person gentrified in this city. And you can't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because I've lived in this neighborhood long enough to know when when two out of every five yards had a garden in the back. I'm old enough to know him when the Muslim community was the strongest security force and food their own food force in this community. Black people, I love you and I love you enough to tell you, you ain't ready to revolt shit. 
You don't feed yourself. You don't hunt your own animals and slaughter them. You don't prepare your own meat. You don't own your own land. You don't have a seed growing in your window. So when you think about revolutionarism and you think about fighting and dying in the street, you ain't shit if you can't feed your children. You ain't nothing if you can't teach your children to hunt. I've been hearing this revolutionary talk all my life. All my life, I've been seeing leaders get before me and tell me how much of a strong warrior. And just like the United States Army, just like the military, I've seen their words, send black boys off to die in the street, fighting and arguing with police. You have no win. He was innocent and he got 19 years. His mama couldn't afford the right lawyer. His dad didn't know a senator. You have no wins. If you, how many of you practice a martial art today? Who practices a martial art today? How many boys are practicing a martial art in your community today? Today. That's what I'm saying. We not ready to fight. You say fight back, fight the police. The police are trained to shoot. They're trained in martial combat. We're not. What are we going to do? Now, I'm not saying give up. I'm not saying. So what y'all just heard the brother speak on was the cold, hard facts. We're not trained. We don't grow our own food. We can't protect ourselves. And uh, that's just the truth. So, you know, everybody running around. Want to have Gucci this, Fendi that, and don't own no pistol. Or don't know how to shoot the pistol. Or don't know how to grow a home garden. You know, don't know how no survival tactics. Don't know how to start a fire. You know, this is crazy. And that's why we're in deep trouble. Deep, deep trouble. But I just shared that clip with you because I think you needed to hear that. You know, about how unprepared we are as a people. It's just something to think about. But, um... On to the next topic, we're going to get into Timothy Cunningham, the young man who worked for the CDC who came up missing, and um, they just found his body. So what you're about to hear is the article about that next on the Black Perspective podcast, and I am shocked to God. The body of a U.S. government disease scientist who vanished more than six weeks ago has been found in a river in Atlanta, Georgia, police say. Timothy Cunningham left work at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, in Atlanta on the 12th of February, saying he was feeling unwell. The 35-year-old's body was discovered in the Chattahoochee River on Tuesday night, said Atlanta Police Department. Police say they do not suspect any foul play, but have not ruled it out. The Harvard graduate had worked on tackling the Ebola and Zika outbreaks before his death. His body was found late on Tuesday by a group of fishermen. According to the Atlanta Business Chronicle, Cunningham, who was known to collect rocks, was found with crystals in his pocket and wearing running shoes. His death has been classified as a drowning. Since the investigation is ongoing, we do not have, whether it was an accident, a suicide, or anything other than that he drowned, said Fulton County Chief Medical Examiner Jan Goniak. Mr. Cunningham, who was an epidemiologist in the CDC's chronic disease department, lived with his dog. The pet, along with Mr. Cunningham's keys, wallet, phone, identification, credit cards and passport were all found by investigators safely locked in his Atlanta home. Police initially said that on the day Mr. Cunningham was last seen alive, he had expressed disappointment to his supervisor about missing a promotion. But the CDC said last month that information was incorrect. 
Acting CDC Director Dr. Anne Shutchard said Mr. Cunningham had actually received an early promotion to commander in July last year in recognition of his exemplary performance. His disappearance prompted a $10,000, 7,000 British pounds reward for any clues and a... So you heard the article. Now I'm going to play another clip that's going to further explain what we think might have happened to Timothy. And again, I am shocked to God. None of them sufficiently uh, explain what really happened to him here. Now, as I said, Timothy here worked for the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. The CDC is known for storing a treasure trove of, diff of different viruses and illnesses, viruses like the plague, uh, the Zika virus, the Ebola virus. Uh, and they say they keep these viruses for research purposes. And so scientists who work at the CDC regularly come into contact you know, with these deadly viruses for research, as they say. And uh, I'm going to show you this article, which predates this scientist going missing by five years. This is an article that came out five years ago about the CDC and its security protocols when it comes to storing these uh, very deadly viruses and illnesses. And uh, CDC bioterror labs are repeatedly failing to secure stores of anthrax and the plague. Multiple studies report that laboratories at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention do not secure samples of life-threatening diseases like anthrax and the plague. The two deadly viruses are just a pair of the fatal diseases that are uh, at risk because the security checks in place at the CDC are flawed. USA Today reported that private government audits repeatedly cite the labs as having gaping holes in their security protocol. These weaknesses could have compromised the CDC's ability to safeguard select agents from accidental or intentional loss and to ensure the safety of individuals. Uh, not only does the CDC, this is the important part, not only does the CDC fail to properly secure the dangerous chemicals, but it also does not give sufficient training to its employees who are tasked with handling them on a daily basis. Hmm. That tells you a lot. This was five years ago. So if we knew that this was a problem for the CDC, you know, uh, properly storing these uh, you know, deadly illnesses, if we know that it was a problem for them five years ago, then we know that it's still a problem to today. They haven't fixed this problem within the last five years. So I think that there's a very strong chance that the CDC scientist, uh, Dr. Timothy Cunningham, that he came into contact with one of these uh deadly viruses or diseases and the, the disease he caught at the CDC was probably contagious and so they had to make him disappear because they didn't want some outbreak of some deadly disease spreading throughout Atlanta. I mean the CDC will probably be shut down if something like that happened. There will probably be a massive overhaul. You probably see arrest going on if that happened. So well, I think that most likely uh, at his job because he did report uh, going home, leaving uh, leaving work early that day because he didn't feel well. He said he was feeling sick. Dr. Cunningham here. He said he was feeling sick. His neighbors reported that he was acting a little bit strange. His wife also reported that he acted a little bit strange and mysteriously went missing. So I think it's not that far-fetched that as a scientist at the CDC, he uh, 
contracted some type of illness, some type of deadly virus that was contagious. And out of uh, public safety concern, the CDC made him disappear. I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility. What else? I mean, what are the alternatives? The man didn't just disappear, uh, you know, through aliens. You know, there, there, nobody came into his neighborhood and robbed him. Uh, he didn't leave on his own free will. Why didn't he take his wallet? Why didn't he take his cell phone? So, I mean, we know that the CDC has a history of, uh, you know, not properly storing those deadly uh, uh, diseases. So he probably contracted one. That's what I think. And don't you think it's also a little bit weird, a little bit strange that one of the blackest cities in the United States, that's the city they choose to store all these uh, uh, deadly viruses and these uh, deadly illnesses. Why does it have to be Atlanta? Why not Idaho? There's nobody in Idaho. Why not South Dakota? There's nobody in South Dakota. Why store them in these huge metropolitan areas that have large black populations? Do you think that's just a coincidence? Okay, the clip you just heard was about Timothy Cunningham, the CDC doctor that they just found his body. And uh, I really agree with that brother. Um, he's a brother that I listen to on YouTube, and I just thought that I would share that clip on this podcast because, you know, I feel that maybe his job has something to do with it. It's too much like coincidence, you know. He went home, wallet left, phone left, like, it's crazy. It just don't make any sense. Just think about that. Don't put nothing past these people or what they'll do to us, black people. We're expendable. I always remember that. Okay, the next clip you're going to hear is about Michael Brown, a young man from Houston, Texas, who was accepted to over 20 colleges. And uh, all of them, he received a full ride. Of course, he can only go to one, but I want you to hear this clip about the news anchors talking ill about him, calling him obnoxious and things of that nature. Check it out. Michael Brown is his name. You're talking Yale, Harvard, Princeton, literally all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is sort of brought on the, this, and he got full rides to all of them. Full rides, full rides. So he has this pick, right? The video went viral, all this stuff. So it has sparked the discussion, though, of how many schools you should apply to. And do you think it's a little ridiculous that this kid applied to 20, taking away uh, a spot and basically waitlisting another kid? Yeah. Well, I'm probably most people won't agree with me, but I actually think it's ridiculous to apply to 20 clip those white females white neanderthal cave monkey girls or whatever derogatory term i want to use right now they were very upset because a young man named michael brown from houston texas received 24 ride 24 ride scholarships to a number of the top colleges i'm guessing in the united states maybe the world but because he was able to secure these scholarships you know, on his hard work he done all through his life, probably in school, they calling a young man obnoxious. But if he would have been white, they would have been like, oh, he's very ambitious. He's very outgoing. He's very intelligent. You know, the reverse of obnoxious. So this is Shaka the God, and that is my commentary on it, you know. 
I just think they just hating. If the shoe would have been on the other foot, it would have been high praise, you know. But as uh, it being a black young man, you know, he ain't out there committing crimes. He ain't out there, you know, going along with the stereotypes. He's setting his own standards, a standards of, um, you know, excellence. They don't like that. So I say, fuck them all and keep shining, young man. We salute Michael Brown at the Black Perspective Podcast and all the other young black men and women that are getting these accolades because over the last couple of years i have been seeing a rise in these young black students getting full rise to the top colleges in the world and in the top colleges in the united states i for one can appreciate that and uh i just hope these young people when they get these high price educations they don't forget where they come from and they give back to their community and be that beacon or that light to show these kids they can do something beyond the four blocks they grew up in um and um you know that just shows in life you get what you put in you know that young man put that hard work in and he got it you know he got the opportunity of a lifetime to change his life and maybe even his family's life depending on how successful he is and how hard he pushes himself you know but this is Shock of the God, and this has been another episode by The Black Perspective. This is episode 12. Once again, I thank you for listening, and uh, we appreciate you here on this platform. Feel free to share this on your Facebook or anywhere you need necessary, necessary on social media. And this is Shock of the God, and I'm out. Yeah.